Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. I love Detroit. Detroit, the D, the 313, Motown, the Motor City. Home of world champion Joe Lewis, the world champion Detroit Tigers, world champion Detroit Pistons, world champion Detroit Red Wings, and those other guys. Y'all's gonna wear some Lions gear for this video, but we all know that the Lions have a very uncanny way of not showing up when moments are important. But really, go Pack Go. I love this city though. I, I know that this city has fallen on hard times as of late, but this city has a great foundation. So many amazing things came out of this city. I know you'd look at it and think, what good could possibly come from Detroit? But not only was it the birthplace of the automobile, it was also the birthplace of the interstate. It was also the birthplace of the personal telephone. So if you've got a phone number, you've got Detroit to thank. I'm standing right here in front of a monument that's called the Spirit of Detroit. Every city has a spirit. The spirit of Detroit is a spirit of industriousness. It's a spirit of overcoming and coming back. This city has fallen on hard times, but it's coming back right now. Maybe you're in a position where you've fallen on hard times and you feel like there's no hope. Can we just look at the spirit of this city? The soul of this city gets into the people of this city. This city has sown a seed into the entire world. The world has been changed by a place that people thought nothing good could come from this place. This is it. This is where it all began. I mean, if you're from Nashville, you're gonna say that that's Music City, USA. And that's fine if you love country music. You can get your Tim McGraw on all you want. But this, this is where it all began. Hitsville, USA. I mean, look at behind me. Some of the greatest artists in the world have reported in here. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, Gladys Knight and the Pips, uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes, Michael Jackson, Smokey Robinson, Lionel Richie and the Commodores, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Boys to Men, the list goes on and on of the people who have been in this place behind me. Barry Gordy, who left his job at Lincoln Mercury and took the principles that he learned at Ford Motor Company, the principles of production and pressing and and multiplication, and he took those and he put them into something that would change people's lives and took this little idea of an entertainment business and took an $800 investment, an $800 seed. And in this house behind me, they turned the garage into a recording studio and the kitchen into the control room and pressed some of the greatest records that the world has ever seen. Over 180 number one songs have come out of this place. An $800 seed, an $800 investment by a a visionary 
now produces over $100 million in annual revenue. But more importantly, he sowed a seed that would go on and lay a foundation to make an impact and change the world for generations to come. I'm standing in front of a building that represents somebody who at least in the world that we're in right now, when you're like on the soil of Detroit, Michigan, I can't think of another person who was more of a revolutionary thinker, who was more like the great industrialist, Henry Ford. In 1903, Henry Ford launched Ford Motor Company with an initial capital investment of $28,000. Now put that into perspective, as the crow flies, Ford Motor Company is worth $188 billion. And that would have never happened without this building that we're standing in front of. This was not the original home of Ford, but it was the second home. And when you look at this building, can you even fathom the destiny of what would have come out of this place? No one would ever look at this building and think that one of the greatest companies that the world would ever know would be born out of this. I owe my life to this company. My dad, as you know, worked at Ford for many, many years, three decades. Every meal that I ate, every article of clothing that I would ever own growing up would be because of a seed that was sown in this building. A seed that was so small and so infantile in the mind of Henry Ford, but so visionary at the same time. If you look up Ford Motor Company today on the New York Stock Exchange, it's worth $188 billion. This building right here, the Ford Piquette plant, with a seed that was sown by a revolutionary mind, would change the world forever. My whole world consisted of just a few square blocks. I mean, I thought that this was the whole world. But, but I mean, essentially everything that I knew was inside of this space. And this was the route that I took to school. This is where my friends lived. I, I didn't think that it was small. I mean, I, I didn't think that it was humble. I actually, I didn't think that we were poor. I just thought that we were normal. I mean, like people lived in all of these houses and kids, there were so many kids. This, this uh, little lot right here that you look at, this was a house that got torn down. And I remember, you know, when you're a kid, when a house gets torn down, what is the natural thing to do? You, you're gonna have the world's biggest rock fight. And so if I'm lying, I'm dying. All my friends, there must have been 10 of us. We had this amazing rock fight for about five minutes until we realized that when you have a rock fight, the natural thing that happens is you get hit in the head with rocks. And so we had this great idea that we'd all get on one team and we'd get on the back of the berm and we would throw rocks at the cars that came down this street right here. And so uh, I'm not, I'm telling you, I'm not lying. I'm not exaggerating. Out of nowhere, it was like a movie. We're throwing rocks and we're hitting the cars. And this right here where this trailer was, this used to be an alley beside my house. And my mom came running down this alley full speed and without missing a beat, 
snatched a switch off of a tree and came out in this field where we were throwing rocks and she literally started whipping everybody. Every kid that was in that rock fight not only got whipped by my mom, but she was down there yelling, I'm going to tell your mama. I'm going to tell your mama. And I remember every kid on this street got whipped by my mom. And then when they went to their house, they got whipped by their mom. It was the best. There's a store up here on the corner where I've, I've told this story. I got in the greatest fist fight of my life in this store right here. I used to call it the green store because back in the day it was kind of like an angled door and window and it, the whole thing was painted forest green and it's chipping. And you go inside there and they had this video game called track and field where, you, where you'd have to you know, use both your hands and try to run the 100 meter dash. And, and I remember a guy walked by me and he bumped my arm when I was about to break the record at the 100 meter dash. And you know where I come from, you bump somebody's arm while they're trying to break the record in the 100 meter dash. And that's grounds for a fist fight. And so I've told my son that story, my daughter that story a hundred times. So I came out here and right here, this used to be grass. And, and I got in the world's biggest fist fight right out there, opened up a whole can of things that should have never been opened up in my life. This is the green store. I went to school at F.W. Begley, Frank W. Begley Elementary School. And back when I was here, it was the oldest school in the city. And so they've torn it down. But when I was here, man, I went, I went from kindergarten through the eighth grade. If you go around this corner, my best friend in seventh grade, right back here on this hill. He got his girlfriend pregnant in the seventh grade and they had a baby and, and she kept it. And, and I remember she left school in the seventh grade and she had to take obviously the year off and she came back in eighth grade, but, but things were different because she was a mama and my friend, he, he was a dad. You turn this corner, it's, it looks, again, it's another thing that looks a little bit different than it did when I was a kid. But over here in this lot, there used to be basketball courts. And, and when I was in the first grade, I tell this story. And this, this was the most defining moment of my life as a kid. Every day when I was in kindergarten, I got beat up by the same kid. And finally one day, partway through the first grade, I had finally had enough. And right here, right about on this spot, I, I unleashed the anger that was inside of me. And, and it changed something inside of me that my mom, looking back now, will tell you that something changed in the first grade and I became a different person. She told Sonny one time that I was exactly like Isaiah, kind and loving and peaceful but something changed in the first grade and it happened right there on that spot. I had what I'd call my life skills moment. And in that moment, I, I switched positions and I became arrested in development. And so it was a world apart, but it was a seed. This neighborhood was a seed that was sown into my life that could have destroyed me or could have discouraged me. But instead, I determined I would become more.
So this this street is Chatham Street East, and this street was the epicenter of my life. Everything important in my life happened at least in proximity to this this one street. I mean, I, I learned how to ride a bike on this street. I learned how to ride a skateboard on this street, how to fall off a skateboard, learned how to build a ramp, learned how to play road hockey, played countless road hockey games on this street. A car would come by and you have the car, you lift up the nets, you move them off. We played tackle football on this street. We had fist fights on this street. It looks different than it looked then. First of all, it looks way smaller than it did back then, but, but it looks different in the fact that like over here, this used to be filled with houses. You couldn't see the river when I was growing up. And like right here, there, there was a guy named Joe and he lived here with his wife, Erica. And, and Joe wanted his house to be brick, but he didn't have any money. So he put up old shingles, not all the same color. Because to him, the texture of the shingles was close enough to brick to be fine. He wanted a fence around his yard. So, so he took old bed frames and he tied them together with rope all the way down his house. I remember one time in the middle of the night, I don't know what he did or what Erica did, but I remember a commotion and, and Joe came running out of that house full speed down the street and Erica was chasing after him with a meat cleaver. This house right here, uh, my friend, I'll, I won't say his name to protect the guilty, but this was the place where I saw my first high person. And so my friend came barreling out of this house, buck naked, screaming at the top of his lungs, I'm not a blankety blank goof. I'm not a blankety blank goof. And then he turned around and he punched clean through a plate glass window, cut his arm all up and then passed out on his porch. There used to be a house right here that an older lady owned. I can't remember her name, but this older lady lived here and she really had a heart for kids. And so, so she went to CPS and she got some kids to come and live with her as foster kids and to return the favor, one of the girls that was living with her lit her house on fire and, and burned it to the ground. Th this house right here is my, was my next door neighbor and, and my friend Rory lived here and, and he was a twin. And, but actually his mom was a prostitute and was a single mom. But I remember Rory, he, he cut his arm off with a, with a lawnmower and and it was so surreal, but when he came home, I remember that, that he had a prosthetic hook. And I remember thinking that was the coolest thing because to me, bro, Rory, like you're basically a pirate now. And so I thought that was the coolest thing. And we, believe it or not, as insensitive as that may seem, we got just a great big kick out of that. And in this little metal white building over here, it was the first place that I ever got drunk. My neighbors, uh, they would brew their own wine and store it in mason jars and they would leave it inside that that old building and one day my friends and I we discovered that it was in there and so we went in there and we just drank and drank and drank to our heart's content you've never had a worse drunk in your life until you've been drunk on homemade wine out of a mason jar my whole existence was on this street was in proximity to this little tiny space that was all all born and begun right here from these humble beginnings. This house that I know it's hard to believe this right now, but, but if you look at the concrete kind of surround there, that was it. This, this, was, a, this was about an 800 square foot house. And, uh, and it, it, you could see in here, there was, there was in the front, there was my parents' bedroom 
and then the kitchen, and then the living room. And that's all this whole thing was. And then there was, there was a couple little bedrooms off in the back where this guy is adding on right now. And, and so when I was a kid, I just thought that was it. That was my whole world. So here we are, back in the place where it all began. The foundation of my life was laid in this house behind me. A house that my parents paid $11,500 for, that was somewhere between 800 and 1,000 square feet. A house that we had planned on shooting this video, and yet 72 hours ago we found out it had been torn to the ground. And when we learned that, I was so bummed. In fact, I was so bummed that I reacted in a negative fashion. I reacted negatively to Isaiah and to Aubrey and to Sonny. I talked to them with frustration in my voice and impatience in my voice. And, and I started to act like someone I was not. I wonder if that's ever happened to you where, where something got torn down in your life and it caused you to act in a way other than who you were. It caused you to have a reaction that was outside of your character and it caused you to have the people in your life become part of the collateral damage. You know, once we got here today, what I realized is there's two things that jump out about this shot that you're gonna see about our house. Number one is that even though they torn down the walls, one thing still remains and that's the foundation. The foundation that that house was built upon is still in that soil. And number two, is that as you can see behind us, there's a crew and they're rebuilding that house. They're taking something that was old and something that was damaged and something that should have been condemned a long time ago. And they're building something new. You know, that's what God does. He always makes all things new. When you looked at that house before they tore it down, there would be one common theme that would come out of people's mouths. They would never have thought what came out of that house could have possibly come out of that house. My dad, who I've told you many times, worked on the assembly line his whole adult life at Ford Motor Company. I don't think he ever really loved his job. I might be wrong, but I don't think my dad ever got up in the morning and was just stoked to be able to go and to polish pistons or inspect crankshafts. What he was doing is he was sowing a seed he was making an investment that would be harvested in the lives of his kids to come. In that house, they raised me, a doctor, an engineer, and a project manager at one of the largest builders in the world, who incidentally is building a multi-billion dollar facility in Mexico as we speak. No one would have ever thought that that kind of harvest could have come out of that kind of soil. But I'm here to tell you as I stand here today that the seed that was sown by my mother and my father on this dirt was harvested and is being harvested today in the 920. You know, I'm not the first person that people looked at and thought what good could possibly come out of the soil from which he was birthed. In the book of John, Jesus is calling his disciples, it's the first chapter, it says that he wanted to go to a city called Galilee, and it says in John chapter 1, verse 43, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. 
Philip found Nathanael and he said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. He's the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was the dregs. These dudes came from the most unsavory, unfavorable part of the world. No one anywhere on earth thought favorably of the region that they came from. And yet the dudes who came from that region, they looked at Nazareth like Nazareth was the lowest of the low. How could something good possibly come up, come out of Nazareth? I mean, the very spirit of Nazareth. Like I said, every city has a spirit and the spirit of Nazareth was a city that no one thought had potential. Mean, ugly, nasty, hateful, disrespectful people lived in Nazareth. And, and when Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip has the greatest response. This has quickly become one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. I love the fact that he didn't try to talk about doctrine. I love the fact that he didn't try to talk about theology or religious rules. He said, come and see. That has become the mantra of my life. My prayer is that before you judge this book by its cover, that you would come and see because what man sees from the outside, God looks inside the heart. And when people looked at these few square blocks for the first 18 years of my life, they would have never thought that God could accomplish what it was that he wanted to accomplish. But yet, Jesus said, come and see. Come and see what I can do. I'm not the only one that Jesus has looked at and said, come and see. I'm not the only one that comes from soil that's been sown into. See, see, there was another father besides mine who determined that he would sow a seed, that he would lay a foundation from which the greatest harvest on earth would ever come, this, the harvest of salvation. The Father God, he sowed a seed called Jesus so that in your life could be harvested the greatest moments, the greatest relationships, the greatest potential, the greatest hope, so that there could be more to you in you, for you, so that you can close the space between who you are and who you are meant to be, what you are and what you're meant to be, and where you are and where you are meant to be. Today, I wonder if you've looked at your own life and you felt like nothing good could come from this. Maybe you've looked at your own life and you have felt like you are Nazareth and nothing good can come from that. And for you, you were raised in a single parent home. Your father left, your husband left, your kids left, you lost your job, you went bankrupt, you were a victim of abuse or you were a, pr a proprietor of abuse. May maybe you're somebody who you grew up in a neighborhood that nobody has ever made it out of. Can I tell you that other than my brothers and my sister, pretty much everybody who grew up in this neighborhood is either dead or locked up. And yet somewhere along the line, because of a seed that my mother and father sowed, because of a seed that the Father God sowed, this Nazareth called Sean Hennessy has produced rivers 
of living water that have been felt, ripples of which have been felt all over the world. And so not only Nathaniel, but the Nathaniels all over the world have been asking the question, what good could come from Nazareth? Can I tell you, friends, everything good came from Nazareth. The king came from Nazareth. The savior came from Nazareth. The hope of the world came from Nazareth. And he sowed a seed. He laid a foundation so that you and I can be changed. Come and see. Come and see what the Lord can do. We you close your eyes all across this place? Jesus, today, we love you. We thank you. We honor you. Thank you for the seed that you sowed, the foundation that you laid, the harvest that is coming forth, the harvest that is yet to come forth in this room right now today. Souls that are to be saved, lives that are to be changed. Pray for my friends in this place. In Jesus' name. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if you're here today and you say, Sean, I am Nazareth. I have looked at myself and I have felt like nothing good could come from me. And you want the harvest that has been promised from the seed that the Savior sowed in your life, the seed of salvation. If you're here today, we're going to give you opportunity to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And here's how we're going to do that. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do just a few things. I'm going to ask you, first of all, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior with nobody looking around, just to raise your hand and put it right back down. Once you've raised your hand, I want to pray a prayer and I want you to repeat it along with everyone else in this place. So if you're here today and you say, Sean, I want to receive the seed of salvation that the Savior has sown for me. Would you just raise your hand and put it right back down? Hey, thank you. Thanks so much. We're so grateful, so grateful that we get to be a part of this season of your life. And so I'm going to ask you just real quick, just to repeat a prayer after me. Say these words. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Come into my life and change me. Make me new. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, I would love to be a part of the journey of your life. We call it the Jesus journey, where you leave where it is that you are and you journey towards where it is that God wants you to be. We would love to be a part of that process and it's really easy for you to help us do that. Here's how. There's a card. It's either in the seat back in front of you or it's underneath your chair. It says hello across the top. If you just take that card, fill in whatever information you're comfortable with us having, check the box that's highlighted in yellow that says I'm choosing to follow Jesus. Either put it in the offering when it comes around in a moment or you can take it to the Welcome Center. Either way, we have a little packet for you and inside that packet, there's just a devotional and a book and a little CD. So would you pick that up? We want the opportunity to pray for you. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes one more time before we receive the Lord's tithe and your offering. I wonder if you're here today. You say, Sean, I'm a Jesus person, but I feel like there is still some feeling of Nazareth within me where I look at myself and I feel like nothing good can come from me. And you say today, Sean, I want you to pray for me that the seed would be harvested in my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just want the opportunity to pray for you. Thanks so much. And so Father, today, thanks for my friends and the potential that's on their lives. Thanks that you're ready to close the proximity between where you are 
where they are. God, I pray that they'll see what you see, the good that's within them. Close the space between. Help them realize more. Help them come and see. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.